There are simple answers, for the glory of God, the vanity of bishops, and so on, but those were not enough for me. The building of the medieval cathedrals is an astonishing European phenomenon. The builders had no power tools, they did not understand the mathematics of structural engineering, and they were poor. The richest of princes did not live as well as, say, a prisoner in a modern jail. Yet they put up the most beautiful buildings that have ever existed, and they built them so well that they are still here hundreds of years later for us to study and marvel at. I began to read about these churches, but I found the books unsatisfactory. There was a great deal of aesthetic guff about elevations, but not much about the living buildings. Then I came across The Cathedral Builders by Jean Gimpel. Gimpel, the black sheep of a family of French art dealers, was as impatient as I with discussions about whether a clerestory worked aesthetically. His book was about the dirt-poor hovel-dwellers who actually put up these fabulous buildings. He read the payroll records of French monasteries and took an interest in who the builders were and how much money they made. He was the first person to notice, for example, that a significant minority of the names were female. The medieval church was sexist, but women as well as men built the cathedrals. Another work of Gimpel's, The Medieval Machine, taught me that the Middle Ages were a time of rapid high-tech innovation, during which the power of watermills was harnessed for a wide variety of industrial applications. Soon I was taking an interest in medieval life in general, and I began to get a picture of how the building of the great cathedrals must have seemed like the right thing to do for medieval people. The explanation is not simple. It is a little like trying to understand why twentieth-century people spent so much money exploring outer space. In both cases, a whole network of influences operated scientific curiosity, commercial interests, political rivalries, and the spiritual aspirations of earth-bound people. And it seemed to me there was only one way to map that network, by writing a novel. Sometime in 1976, I wrote an outline and about four chapters of the novel. I sent it to my agent, Al Zuckerman, who wrote, You have created a tapestry. What you need is a series of linked melodramas. Looking back, I can see that at the age of 27, I was not capable of writing such a novel. I was like an apprentice watercolor painter planning a vast canvas in oils. To do justice to its subject, the book would have to be very long, cover a period of several decades, and bring alive the great sweep of medieval Europe. I was writing much less ambitious books, and even so I had not yet mastered the craft. I dropped the cathedral book and came up with another idea, a thriller about a German spy in wartime England. Happily that was within my powers, and under the title Eye of the Needle it became my first bestseller. For the next decade I wrote thrillers, but I continued to visit cathedrals, and the idea of my cathedral novel never went away. I resurrected it in January 1986, having finished my sixth thriller, Lie Down with Lions. My publishers were nervous. They wanted another spy story. My friends were also apprehensive. They know that I enjoy success— I'm not the kind of writer who would deal with a failure by saying that the book was good, but the readers were inadequate. I write to entertain, and I'm happy doing so. A failure would make me miserable. 
No one tried to talk me out of it, but lots of people expressed anxious reservations. However, I did not plan a difficult book. I would write an adventure story, full of colourful characters who were ambitious, wicked, sexy, heroic, and smart. I wanted ordinary readers to be as enraptured as I was by the romance of the medieval cathedrals. By then I had developed the method of working that I continue to use to this day. I begin by writing an outline of the story, saying what happens in each chapter, and giving thumbnail sketches of the characters. But this book was not like my others. The beginning came easily, but as the story unwound over the decades and the people grew from youth to maturity, I found it more and more difficult to invent new twists and turns in their lives. I realized that one long book is much more of a challenge than three short ones.'